welcome to Breathing Open Motherhood. I'm your host, Charmaine Yuma. I'm here to rewrite the narratives on what it gets to be like to live as modern mothers who are deeply connected to their instinctual truths, who thrive as mothers, who look back upon this time of our lives with absolute wonder and awe on how magic this motherhood gig is. This podcast is intended to be a source of inspiration only and not for specific or individualized treatment. Please always seek the advice of your health professional. If that's me, reach out at charmainnewmark.com before implementing any guidance on this podcast. Now, whilst I endeavor to not use any offensive language when I'm in flow, occasional cussing may slip through. So please be mindful around little ears. It is my deepest hope that these episodes help us rewrite the narratives together from a conversation of challenge and lack to one of openness, inspiration and liberation of our minds, bodies and spirits. I am so grateful to be able to do this with you all and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to 2023's first ever podcast episode of the year. Welcome to Breathing Open Motherhood. I am your host, Charmaine Newark, and I am beyond excited to be back here because for the past eight weeks, I've been like, I'm never going to be able to do a podcast again. I felt so intensely swallowed in the school holidays. Um, it was big. I'll go into it in a little bit. Um and popping out the other side, it felt really like a reclamation pressing record on this podcast because it's almost like, oh, there's that little bit of space. There's that little bit of me under here, which I feel like I really lost in the second part of the school holidays. So I had my three children home with me over the six weeks, daycare closed from my middle one, um, which meant he was off for six weeks. Um, and, you know, I've really loved the whole village life of having my kids go to care. Um, but Hugo's not started daycare yet. So I've been home with the six, uh, with the three of the kids for the six weeks, um, passing shifts with my husband in between that. And I really was intentional about how I spent my days and my energy and my time leading up to Christmas. I wanted it to feel joyful. I wanted it to feel light. I didn't want to feel overwhelmed and like I had put too much on my plate and stressed everyone out. I was very intentional leading up to Christmas and I really enjoyed the school holiday break. And then came the dopamine crash that's on the other side of New Year's when you no longer have the shiny thing to look out for. Um, and I had not at all intentionally planned for that part of the holidays and that dopamine crash that I know comes around every year and after every time something exciting happens, insert dopamine crash. I love me some dopamine, but when it goes down the other end, after using it so much, it can feel really uh, icky because um, there's not a lot of purpose. So what I found in the second part of the holidays was when that dopamine crash started to come in, I started filling my days up with mindless stuff to give me some sort of dopamine hit. Um, and it wasn't until I came out of that spiral that I realized I was filling my days up with everyone else's values and not my own um, so it didn't really take me long to feel quite lost amongst motherhood and yes I talk about this and yes I hold space for women and yes I coach women through this process and yes my podcast is called breathing open motherhood and there I was going fuck I'm drowning help 
waving the white flag. And I share that because I want to be really open and transparent that even those that are, you know, guiding and mentoring in this space, we're all still human and we're all still having a human experience. So we don't ever get to avoid this stuff. But the deeper I believe I get into my life's work, it becomes purposeful as opposed to feeling like, oh, fuck, I just did it again. What a loser. Why did I do that? How did I get lost in that again? There is always gold on the other side of cracking open because you have to piece yourself back together. You get to choose. You get to learn each time it happens. So you don't stay there for as long. It isn't as painful. You can trust the process instead of thinking you're going to be broken forever. So here we are, 8th of February. My eldest sister started year five. My second has just started his third day of kindergarten, which six months ago I was really deeply in the idea of having to homeschool him because I didn't feel that he was socially or behaviourally ready for school. Um, But, you know, flipping my own beliefs and stories around that and working with him and working with his daycare and um, really trusting him and seeing wider has really been a beautiful experience for us and he has started without any issues with glowing feedback from his um from his teachers about how beautiful he is and how much he's enjoying it and how well he's fitting in so i'm feeling really positive for now um and hugo has just started his daycare one day a week so i get that space to work just solely in my business without needing to do the mum work juggle. So I'm feeling really grateful for the village that I have called in to help nurture and look after my little ones so I can do the work in the world that really fills my cup and fills me up and inspires me to be an even better mother. So I'm really glad to be back because this is a huge part of my identity. Um, It's a huge part of my life's purpose. I really know that to be true. So I'm so grateful to be back in your ears, my loves. Now, there has been a lot of conversation. There's been a lot of questions. There's been workshops. There's been information coming through everyone asking for back-to-school resources. So I've done a little bit of this work through my Nourish membership. So hello to the mamas that are watching live with me in there. Um, So some of this stuff might not be super new to you girls, but I'm going to riff on it anyway and break it down into what I'm personally doing for back-to-school lunchbox stuff. Um, And we might even touch into holding space stuff as well because I think that's super important. Um, A lot of people are holding multiple children through multiple transitions at the moment and we need to deeply have compassion for ourselves on the nights that that feels really hard. I'm talking to myself for last night where I normally have a lot of ability to hold space for big feelings in my home without needing to fix it or squash it or send it away. Last night was absolutely not one of those nights. It was one of those nights where Hugo didn't want to have a second sleep. So I was carrying around a very irritable, overtired toddler on my hip for about six hours. Um, I had pushed myself beyond my physical limits early on in the day and was anticipating that I would go and have a nap with him in the afternoon and reset and that didn't happen. So I was tired. I was physically tired and I was mentally tired. I was tapped out. And then Bless Sage had a massive meltdown around the new 
loving boundaries that we've put around his iPad um, and gave me about an hour's worth of tears. And towards the end of it, I was literally sending him away or bribing him to sleep in my bed to stop crying because I had zero capacity to be with it. Now, that is not at all how I want to hold space and mother my babies. But the reality of it was, and what I was saying to them very clearly was, is I do not have the capacity to be with this at the moment. I love you, but I really need this to stop. I can't keep doing it. I can't do this anymore. Get out of my hair. Please just leave my room. <laughs> it escalated very quickly. Once it had all dissipated, um, I was able to have a beautiful conversation and be really honest with them about where I was at. You know, I love you. Please know that I'm not going to always get it right, but always underneath that there is deep, deep love um, and we'll work through it. I'm really sorry for the way that I showed up then. I had zero capacity and um, that was pretty much it. I spoke to Charlie because Charlie, my eldest, bless her, she likes to try and come and like placate and make mommy happy. So she brought me a cup of tea and my trauma response in overwhelm is withdrawal and shut down and just do the things. So here she is, this like sweet little soul trying to come in and be like, mom, it's okay, mom, you're okay. And I just ice creamed it, fully ice creamed it. I was like, I know you're really trying to help here, babe, but I just really need some space. Thank you so much for my cup of tea. I'm very grateful. I just need a little bit of space. <laughs> so afterwards, I was able to have that conversation with her. Actually, the whole thing dissipated because I yelled at her. And she knows that I don't yell at her very much. So she started laughing. And then I started laughing. And then we're both, and then Sagey starts laughing. And then Hugo starts laughing at Sage. So we're all pissing ourselves laughing. I'm like, thank you so much, Charlie, for gifting us this tool of laughter to dissipate this energy because it instantly shifted. I was trying to piss it off, right? And it doesn't ever go anywhere when you're angrily trying to shut it down or make it go away. Instead, the energy moves through in the form of laughter. We were able to connect. From there, it was a conversation of like, whoa, that was really big. Are you okay? Yep, I'm okay. Charlie, thank you for what you did there. My response is automatic where I'm feeling overwhelmed. So I shut down and I withdraw and I want to be left alone. So I really appreciate that you tried to show me another avenue there. Thank you for supporting me. And thank you for making me laugh. Sagey, that was really hard. Are you okay? This is what I was feeling. How are you feeling? I'm sorry about this. I was upset about your behavior, not you. Within 10 minutes, we're all reading a book. It was a big hour, really, really big hour. So that first few weeks, we know it's going to be really hard for our children to adjust and to get back into space of regulation. So note to myself, and please take this advice if you wish, what can you do to build up a little bit of capacity to be with that stuff if you know what's going to happen? How can you look after yourself? What do you need on a daily basis to be able to preempt that the meltdowns are going to come what do you need in your toolkit to have enough capacity to be with them the more you can be with them the quicker they resolve if I'm with Sage and his meltdowns it's a 10 minute process if I'm trying to shut it down and I don't have the capacity for it an hour later we're still going it feels efficient but it's not <laughs> so what do I need 
to be able to be with their meltdowns, I need to not push myself beyond that physical limit for the first few weeks. So when I started to get those messages from my body that I was tired, I got off the five, I did Pilates, I went to work for a few hours, I came home, I cleaned the kitchen, I cleaned the cupboards, I did the dishwasher, I made food. About halfway through the dishwasher, I started to get that message from my body like, oh, I'm getting tired now. But I pushed on through it. I kept going because I wanted to get it done. Why? I didn't need to get it done then and there. It absolutely could have waited. I could have left it for my husband to come home and said, I couldn't do it. Can you finish that for me? Instead, I pushed myself beyond my limit, hoping and clinging on to this false thing that I would get asleep um, in the afternoon, which did not happen. So I was dragging myself through that whole process. So note to self, listen to your body and your physical limits. It is a lot easier to hold space for little people when you are not exhausted. And dragging your ass through the day. <sighs> anyway, feeling very um, content today. Um, excuse me while I just have a big drink because I just had a big coffee because I did the school drop off and went and got myself a merit award, aka a coffee, because no one was giving me one at the school gate when I dropped my kids off today. So I took myself out and gave myself my own coffee, my own merit award. All right, let's dive into back to school. So when I'm talking about back to school, yes, we've just spoken about beautiful feelings. <clears throat> this is now that practical element of feeding the locusts. Now, the locusts eat a lot because our food system is designed heavily around carbohydrates, which children need. Yes, they absolutely need carbohydrates because they burn through them really quickly. We burn through carbohydrates when we're active. They're active all day long. They need carbs. But when we look at our school snacks and we look at the food that's in the canteen and we look at all the products that are sold towards children, it is really carbohydrate-based. Carbohydrates come in and they get burnt off. They're like fueling the car. They come into the car, you burn them off. They're pretty much going to be used and out of your body within the space of about half an hour. So. How often do you see kids coming back? I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. You just ate. You just ate. You just ate. If they're eating carbohydrate-based foods, it's not going to give them that satiety. So as an example, who's ever eaten a packet of chips? I'm talking the big packets of like kettle chips, not the little lunchbox size ones. I could easily polish up a bag of those chips and I don't feel full. And I don't feel done and I still want more because carbohydrates don't send the message to your brain that you're nutritionally complete. You will get a message to your brain when you're physically full, yes, but carbohydrates are light and fluffy, but they actually break down to a small portion of food. Like that whole bag of kettle chips is actually only one potato. So you, it's very unlikely that you're going to get that full signal, but you don't get the message to your brain that you're actually complete and full. So you need to keep going until your message to your brain says, I'm done now, I've got the right nutrition. Hello, beautiful mama. I'm just interrupting your podcast briefly to invite you into my online space for mamas nourished, where we breathe open motherhood together. This is a space where we get to rewrite the narratives with monthly new themes, weekly drop-ins, weekly lives, and also behind the scenes access to our podcast recordings. I really hope you can join us in the space and the link is in the show notes if you're ready to dive in with us. What does do that is protein of fat. 
So as an example, you can't overeat certain things that are really high in fat and really high in protein. An example of this for me is always an omelette or eggs benny with hollandaise sauce. I love hollandaise sauce. It's got beautiful fats in there. You've got your protein of the eggs. I cannot overeat that. Within about halfway through that meal, I'm starting to get that message that I'm super full as opposed to hot chips. If they're there, you're just going to keep going because you don't have the protein and the fat to tell the brain that it's got all of its nutritional elements complete. So the number one tip for lunchboxes is make the hero your fats and proteins. So when I'm talking about fats and proteins, this they come in lots of different types of packages. But for me, that looks like in Sage's sandwich today, he had three meatballs. I made them last night and I was making a stag bowl. He doesn't like the tomato sauce, so I made him up his little meatballs and they were high-fat content meat. I also had a cheese stick in there. So I'm ticking off my handful, roughly a handful of protein, but making him those just complete protein um, meatballs and a cheese stick. One handful per meal is the main hero that I start my lunchbox with. What protein am I getting in? I've now got a dialogue with Charlie, my eldest, she's 10. And the conversation is now when she's making her own lunch or she's packing her lunchbox, it's like, okay, babe, what's your protein? And she knows quickly what she needs to go with. So today it was a wrap with chicken and mayo that I shredded in with me yesterday. Um, so she knows that I don't need to break that down into what that looks like anymore. She knows now what that looks like. Um, in the afternoon, if she said that she's got a headache or she's tired or she's hangry, um, I'm like, all right, let's really ensure that we get you something protein-based for afternoon tea so you can get out of this blood sugar roller coaster that you're on. So she'll be like, cool, tuna rice cakes, please. She likes tuna and mayo on rice cakes. It's pretty nice, actually. <laughs> Um, and that will be enough to get her through for dinner. So when you build in a handful of protein, and I'm just talking their sized handful, as a really simplified way of understanding how much to give them, a handful of protein with each meal is a beautiful place to start. So that looks like for Sage, it was a few meatballs and a cheese stick. Um, for Hugo today, what did I put in Hugo's lunchbox? Um, he had some cheese cubes. He had a yogurt. Oh, my God, I can't really remember what I put in there. Um, I gave him some adami beans. Anyway, I won't bore you with what I put in some kids' lunchbox, but it's that handful size. So protein being your meat, chicken, seafood, eggs, nuts, seeds, legumes. So all of your different types of nuts, your legumes are your chickpeas and your lentils and your kidney beans and your dani beans and your soybeans, um, your meat being all of your different, I don't think I need to break down the meats, poultry, dairy, yes, it does have protein in there. Um, you've also got that balance of healthy fats in a lot of those items as well. Um, they're your main things for protein. Um, it doesn't mean you just need to like chop up bits of steak and pop it in their lunchbox, but yeah, sweet, that would be so good. Um, but mainly that's going to look like it's mixed in with something. Um, for Hugo, it's like peanut butter sandwich is probably the most I can get to him since he's been teething. It's become really picky. Um, so we're doing a high protein bread and we're doing a high protein peanut butter, just peanuts. 
Um, I'm putting lots of grass-fed butter on there as well for his healthy fats. He's getting the healthy fats out of the peanuts. There I'm getting a little bit of fat and protein into him so he's not just locust eating for the whole day. So your healthy fats look like your full-fat dairy. Please don't go low-fat dairy for our kids. They need the fat. If you're going to give them dairy, you want to make it as nutritious as possible. Grass-fed, ideally, which means Australian and you know where it's coming from. Um, if you're local to Camden, um, Country Valley products at Woolworths are from Picton um, and they're generally grass-fed. Um, but you can now buy just grass-fed dairy um, very easily from places like Woolies. Um, so you've got your full-fat dairy, you've got your avocado, you've got your nut butters and seed butters. Um, you've got your egg yolks. The egg white is high in protein. The egg yolk is high in fat. Um, so if you're doing sort of like, if you're struggling to get any of those things in, you might do like mini quiches and put some extra egg yolks in there as an example. Um, you've got your oils as well, like your avocado oil and your coconut oil and your olive oil, um, just jet nuts and seeds in general. They're the main things that I can think of. Do, 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 do. I'll come back if I think of any more. So you're basing that hero around your protein, what we build their muscles out of, and the fats, which is what we build their hormones and their brain out of. Very simplified way to explain a very complex process. After that, you then can start building in carbohydrates. But for me, I'm really mindful of things that I don't want to have in my kids' lunchbox for good reason because it sends them through the absolute roof. The combination of yeast extract and artificial flavours and colours is like crack cocaine to my kids. I tell you what, I cannot get a word in if they have had that combination. Their behaviour is insane. I thank my lucky stars all the time that I know what I know and I know to look out for these type of behaviours and what type of foods they've eaten because it showed me very early on in the game that that is not a combination that my kids can tolerate, that it takes them from being like normal wildlings to like who's that guy, their little kid, the wild thornberries, <laughs> wild thornberries freaking out, can't deal status. Um, I see the change in my kids' eyes, like they're glassy. And they can't get through. And I can't help but wonder, like, how many of our children that are, say, geez, possibly on the spectrum, um, possibly ADHD, how many of our children are in that experience and having those foods, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because it's absolutely everywhere. So I'm avoiding MSG. MSG looks like flavor 621 or flavor enhancer or yeast extract. It's the same thing, it has the same shit shit show metabolic shit show on our body that in combination with artificial colors and artificial flavors mm, mm, mm. so I avoid all three of those things when I'm trying to find snacks ideally I'm buying snacks that are just food based they're just real food um, I look at the ingredients I can make them myself if I want to and I'll go for it that way um, logistically that to me looks like I buy them to have two snacks each each day in their lunchbox. So I'm pretty much buying 20 snacks a week. For me, that looks like four or five different packets of whatever. I've got my kind of top 30 that I run through. I put a post on social media about that the other day. 
Um, if you don't already follow my page, you can find me at Charmaine Newmark Nourished um, or Charmaine Newmark, the Nourished Naturopath, what a mouthful on Facebook. Um, and you'll see where I shared some of the top things that I buy just from Woolies, nothing crazy here. Um, so they can have their protein, they can have their fats, they get their two snacks, and then the rest is a free-for-all. They generally fill it up with fruit and veggies, little fruit and veggies that are easy for them to have. So we've got a fairly balanced lunchbox towards the end of the day. Um, so we've got the things that we avoid, yeast extract, uh, artificial colours, artificial flavours. There was a time where I was avoiding all the things, all the gluten, all the dairy, all the sugar, um, and it became too hard for me. Um, it became very expensive and it was sent home in a lunchbox that she didn't eat. Um, and we went through quite a bit of defiance around lunchbox time because it was something that I was trying to control instead of just trusting her health. Um, so over the years, I've taken a step back from that and have formed a what I feel is a pretty balanced approach now where they get to choose the things that they like. They get to choose their leftovers or their sandwich or their meatballs or whatever. They get to choose their two snacks out of the relatively healthy ones that I've chosen that are in the cupboard for them. They get to choose their fruit. They get to choose their veg. Most of the time, only about a quarter of it's coming home, which I think is a really good success. Yay. Not too much waste. I wish I still had my chickens and they were eating all the scraps. All right, my love. So there's some tangible tips for you. If school lunch boxes are a thing, please reach out. We can absolutely go into this in more detail if you need some more support. There's your avoid list. I recommend that for all kids nutritionally. You've got your include list, which means hero bean, protein, carbohydrate, chuck a veggie, chuck a fruit in there on top of that, and then one or two snacks, whatever feels good for you. And I think that is it. Ah, and building the capacity to hold space for those big feelings. <clears throat> as my voice starts to croak. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast. And I look forward to being back here in your ears way more regularly. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for diving into this week's episode of Breathing Open Motherhood. It is truly a pleasure to be able to share this wisdom with you. If you have any questions or if you have any topics that you'd love to hear me riff on, I would really adore to hear from you. You can reach out to me on all the socials at charmaine.newmark.nourished or online at charmainenewmark.com. And I'll see you on next week's podcast.